Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Let me just say, I want to get on Tom Brady's bad side. I want him to dislike me so much that he wants a different beat writer. Because then maybe he'll send me a $50,000 watch. Did you see this? I was at the Bruce Arians Family Foundation event uh, you know, at the beginning of the week. Of course, they had their gala on Sunday night. They played golf on Monday. And uh, I wrote a story about this. I talked to Bruce a little bit. And, you know, there's, I don't need to tell you. Like, as Michael Clayton, my good friend, says, the media drives the narrative. Well, the media has been beating up Bruce Arians pretty good about how much Tom Brady must dislike him. Um, and it's to the point where, you know, Bruce has kind of thrown up the white flag and looks, says, look, I, you know, they're, they're going to keep saying what they want to say because they think they know something, but they don't. Um, so take that for what it's worth. But uh, he, he was funny, man. He was like, look, man. He goes, I got a text today from Tom. He sent me a picture of this watch he's sending me. He says it's like worth $50,000. And he goes, does that sound like would somebody that hates you send you a $50,000 watch? You know, Rick, often like, people I dislike in my life, I you know, <laughs> well, get them fired. I show up to the retirement press conference, and then I send them a $50,000 watch. That's what I do. I, I mean, he's really, if, if all of that's true, Tom Brady's a sociopath, and you heard it here first. Um, now, guys do get presents for, for retiring, and a gold watch seems to be fairly cliche at this point, um, but not a $50,000 gold watch. That's, that's really beyond the pale. And I'm not naive enough to think that I know Tom Brady has endorsements for many watch companies or at least one uh, in particular that, that maybe he didn't have to you know, shell out the actual cash, although God knows he has enough of that. But in general, on the whole, the other thing is he says, look, when he gets back in town, we're playing golf, um, you know, and and this is not to dismiss everything that we've read from Mike Florio or everything um, that you m- may have heard about from Chris Sims and others. And I'll get into Chris Sims's report here in a second, because I do think that, that there were times, you know, that on both sides, you know, Bruce can be a player's coach and he can also be a horse's rear, you know, to guys. And that's his whole philosophy is you coach them hard and hug them up later. Um, he has no sacred cows on the team, including Tom Brady. He made that clear the first game they played against New Orleans. So, you know, there was a, a process, and they won a Super Bowl, and then there was lots of injuries, and there was, you know, uh, more adjustments that needed to be made. And so you're not always in lockstep with your head coach, much less one whose offense you're running or trying to attempting to run at age 44. So, you know, there, there was probably a lot of times – that a guy like Brady, because the quarterback works so closely with the head coach, was not seeing eye-to-eye with Bruce and may have preferred something else or someone else. I'm not disagreeing with any of that, and I don't know what happened in Miami, but there seems to be a hell of a lot of smoke down there that he was in some way or another trying to get a relationship with the Dolphins. Um, We know his connection with Stephen Ross and all of that. So all that reporting aside, the one thing I will say is from a personal standpoint and – from what I saw from a working relationship, it's not nearly as bad as it's being portrayed by some. Um, first of all, it's not Tom Brady's style. We've talked about this. Like, he is not a guy 
who's going to go out there, certainly not in the media, or even to his coaches necessarily, because I know people that coach him specifically, uh, position coaches and whatnot. He's not a complainer. You know, he, he's not a guy that's going to say, oh, geez, this Bruce Arians, the guy's killing me, man. Like, why can't we do this? And, and you know, and, and, and sort of whine to people. He'll merely look at what he's doing to help the team and what his skill set is and how he can best utilize that um, to win games because Tom is all about one thing and one thing only. It's not about his numbers, although he's had plenty of those um, touchdowns. It's not about his passing yards. It's about winning. That's what he's the greatest winner of all time in the NFL and got you know seven Super Bowl rings to show for it. So uh, to him, there's a lot of different ways to do things, but it's not his style to say, hey, you know what, I'll play with Tampa if you get rid of that guy. He would never that's, – that's not what Tom would say. Would he talk to other people in the organization, like a Jason Light or somebody, and suggest that, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, and we need to do a lot more of that, and our team needs this and this? And maybe he knows that Arians wouldn't go for any of it, possibly. I mean, that's more likely. But I still think if you talk to Bruce Arians and you know him a little bit, and I've known him for only three years, so I'm not an expert on the guy, but I've known people that have known him longer than that. And there is a, a truly altruistic like, sort of soul to Bruce Arians. He, he is a caring human being. I mean, we, we spent the week at the golf tournament, a couple of days of the golf tournament, um, which is, you know, to, to raise money um, for guardian ad litems for, for, for organizations that, you know, promote having these for children um, that need them. And there is a big need. And it doesn't take much just a willingness to be uh, somebody who would, who would allow themselves to mentor these kids um, and turn them around and get them on the right path and so on and so forth. So he's already that guy, like him and his wife, Christine are, you know, two of the greatest people in the world. They have a great family. They're very caring. You've seen him go out of his way to walk the walk. You know, the whole NFL talks about diversity and very few of them really do anything about it. And Bruce Arians has done everything he could to be inclusive in in the teams that he's coached and the staffs that he's built, um, whether you're talking about minorities or women, that is his legacy. And so when you talk to Bruce, as I have personally, uh, and I did so again over, uh, you know, or I guess on Sunday over the weekend when I was out there for the gala, um, you really, you know, it's one thing to read quotes from people that says, oh, I really wanted Todd Bowles. It's another thing when you when you stand next to them and they explain it to you and, they, and you hear the responsibility he feels. Bruce Arians tried to do this in Arizona, and I'm only going into this again because um, sort of what, you know, seems to be a constant drumbeat of, you know, Arians is the reason why, you know, Brady wasn't going to retire and Arians is the, not coaching is the reason why he came back. But, you know, in talking to Bruce, he tried to do it in Arizona and they didn't go for it. Like Bill Bedwell did not go for it. He was not going to hire one of Bruce's guys. And, you know, and furthermore, I think Bruce Arians, well, I know, wanted some position still within the Cardinals organization. They didn't go for that either. Okay, so he wasn't able to do that then. Now he comes along and he really does love his coaching staff. And he told me, he goes, look, I feel responsible for 31 families. Like they got 31 other coaches on that staff, which is one of the largest staffs in the NFL. But he brought each and every one of them to Tampa. 
And what he knows is that if he were to if he were to quit at the wrong time, and they they didn't have a succession plan to Todd Bowles or one of his coaches. That entire staff would then splinter, and there'd be families, you know, looking for new schools for kids and hoping that their husbands and whatever can find a job at some other NFL or college team. And Bruce didn't want that. He said, you know, when I left Arizona, five other families left too, you know, because they weren't retained. And he said, and it cost them. Um, this was a way for him to leave and preserve the continuity and everything else um, for 31 of his assistant coaches. And I really, when you hear him say it, he's convincing, you know, and not only that, he kind of walks it too, you know, and, and and there's a reason why these guys, some, some of whom like Todd Bowles and others played for him, have coached for them and still coach for him um, because they know what he's about and they know, uh, you know, sort of how he feels about them as people, as, as, as fathers, as sons, all that emphasizes family. So I really do believe now you want to assign a percentage of it. Like, okay, was it 98%, you know, a, a humanitarian move to abdicate a possible Super Bowl team. So Todd Bowles doesn't get a raw deal at a bad team next year, or he has Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert and that's it. And, and he's gonna gonna lose, you know, twelve, thirteen games. Yeah, I, I guess. But like, I, I really do believe that he knew what he had here with Brady coming back. He knew that Bowles would have a very not a good team, a very good team with a chance to get deep, if not all the way to the Super Bowl um, right away. And I all and, and I can't help but think too, you know, the guy again, you know, is going to be what seventy years old in October. And just seeing him out there this weekend, man, I'm just telling you, you know, Bruce is not a, a tightly wound guy except on the sidelines for three hours on Sunday. He looks amazing. Like the world has been, like the weight of the world has been lifted off his shoulders. And he said, he goes, look, I'm, I'm sleeping really well and I'm sleeping later. Like you don't realize, and I've often wondered this myself because I have one of these jobs, and you know this, Steve, you go 110 miles an hour. I have one of these jobs where I can't turn it off. Like you can't because at any moment, forget what I have planned or my kids have planned or uh, as, as, it, as it was, I was driving and moving my son to Denver, Colorado when Bruce quit. You're responsible 24-7, sometimes not 365 if you get vacation as I do, but you know a good 50 weeks, 45 weeks out of the year for everything that happens or organizationally, coaches-wise, players-wise, all that stuff. For Bruce, you know, you're always planning, you know, three months ahead, two months ahead. You know, he, he'd be getting not just prepared for the draft, but also the mini camps. And, you know, what, what are we going to install for these rookies? How much can they handle? So he's been off that, I guess, as, as Tom Brady says, hamster wheel. He's gotten off that hamster wheel. He still has, has a place in the building. He's gone to the wrong office a few times, as has Todd Bowles. But he's a, he's a much more relaxed person right now than I've seen him since he's been here for three years. Well, obviously, he didn't take all that comp time here in the last two years. So. <laughs> no. I know some people that did, though. But, yeah, we'll get on that later. But, yeah, no, he did not take all the comp time he was owed. So they, he's got some downtime coming for sure. Um, Look, when he took this job, did anyone really expect him to be here more than two or three years? I don't think so. I was thinking maybe three. 
Yeah, I know. mean, we, I mean, it's kind of Tom Brady. We knew two years would be here. You'd hoped a third. Right, right. You know, of course, we didn't know he'd still be performing and leading the NFL in passing after two years. Well, I mean, you remember, but... I mean, he came here to save Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. And when that didn't happen, then it was, you know, it could be any time after that, right? Because mm-hmm. sort of the stated reason why Jason Light got the quarterback whisper out of retirement was to then whisper, and he didn't whisper very much, by the way, was to then shout some instructions that Jameis Winston would would uh, accept and it would save their franchise quarterback in his fifth season. And that was that was the entire focus for Arians coming in the first place. When that didn't work and they went for door number two, then Tom Brady showed up. And I was with you. I was like, yeah, he's going to coach as long as Brady is playing. And when Brady quits, Arians is going to quit. Going to quit. And it's kind of funny that Brady quit, Arians didn't quit, then Brady came back, then Arians quit. <laughs> so they can match it up. I don't know what happened there. Um, but, you know, it, 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 you're right. It was never going to be – I mean, when you come in at 67 years old, you know, how, how long do you think you really have on the sideline? And then we saw and the with toll. health issues. I mean, until he yeah. came to Tampa Bay, he didn't finish a season as a head coach or didn't miss time. Every season he was a head coach, he missed some time with health issues. That's right. That's right. He did. And and he's a three-time cancer survivor, and, and he had stomach issues. And, um, you know, just uh, Christine, frankly, was worried about his, his health to the point where she wanted him to, you know, stop coaching. And so so he did. And he went to broadcasting for a year, and then he got talked back into coming and rejoining the Bucks, and, um, and the rest is history. And now he gets to do what he tried to do in, in Arizona, and I talked to him about this. And by the way, he also told me, he said, look, I – I was going to retire after the Super Bowl. I really thought about it. He goes, and the thing is, I couldn't guarantee that one of my guys would would be available to take the job because Bowles was interviewing, Leftwich was interviewing, and he said, you know, if that didn't happen, then all these other guys are fired. Um, And plus, I think, you know, we're going to run it back. You know, he had all that whole thing going on at the boat parade. So I I do think he wanted to win back-to-back, and when they didn't, um, when Tom decided to stay, it changed things. But you know, it, it's just been the other the other story that was out there, and it got a lot of reaction uh, at me, oddly enough, because I responded to it. Was Chris Sims, who I have known since he was a player. Now think about this: he came out of Texas. Um, you know, obviously the son of Phil Sims, all of this stuff, and you know, at one point was a starter, got them got them uh, into the playoffs, uh, and all of that under John Gruden, one of his many quarterbacks. And then, you know, he had his spleen ripped out against Carolina one game. And that, that for all intents and purposes, ruined his career. He played a couple more years, um, both here and I think he went to Cleveland for a brief time. But, you know, Chris knows football. And Chris is sort of on the other side of Tom Brady in, with respect to, you know, um, living in New York, uh, a lot of Jets fans, has kind of seen Brady from a distance. He's not always been the biggest Brady advocate, if you will. He's been very critical of Tom. And I think sometimes it's hard for anyone in the media to criticize Tom because he had such he has such great reach, you know what I mean, that no one does it. And um, But Chris has been one that has always done that for whatever reasons. Um, he may genuinely believe everything he says or maybe he just doesn't like the Patriots. I really don't know. Uh, but now Brady is is here in Tampa. And what his report was, which is kind of – been talked about with respect to Miami, but he put a number to it. Um, he reported that sources had told him 
that the Miami Dolphins tried to send a second-round pick to the Bucks for Tom Brady. And the other part of his report was, you know, and we have sort of written this, that, you know, the Bucks were attempting to, to uh, trade for Deshaun Watson. Well, when you see something like that, is it, 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 you know, do you consider the source? Of course you do. You know, Chris is a personality on Pro Football Talk with Mike Florio. But he does have – he is locked into some situations, especially San Francisco where Kyle Shanahan is. Um, so I retweeted it, but I retweeted it with, you know, after I checked with the Bucks. And listen, do I believe everything the Bucks say? Somebody, somebody tweeted at me and said, oh, so you're just going to take whatever they say is true. Yeah, that's me. I'm that guy. That's why I wrote the Antonio Brown story because they told me there was nothing wrong with any of their vaccination cards. That's why I, did, I stopped pursuing it right then. Um, I've never been that guy. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's difficult sometimes when there's so much information out there, no one's really talking and confirming anything. It's sort of off the record. So when Chris Sims says the Dolphins tried to trade for Tom Brady and uh, with a second-round pick and acquire him from the Bucks, and oh, by the way, the Bucks weren't were also after Deshaun Watson – it's my responsibility as a reporter to then call the Bucks and say, what say you? Here's what Chris Sims is reporting. And a lot of times they'll just say, you know, we're not going to respond to every rumor. We go down that wormhole and then the next guy has one and the next guy and so on. And I get that. I really do. But because this was specific to the Dolphins and had a number like a second round pick, you would think it'd be something that the general manager might want to respond to or somebody over there. So I got a hold of, of, of the Bucks, and and they did tell me, they said, look, at no point was there a conversation with Miami Dolphins about Tom Brady. It didn't happen. We didn't have those conversations. And furthermore, we didn't contact the Texans or Deshaun Watson's representatives about trading for him. That part I can almost believe even more simply because I was ter- told way before the process started for most teams um, that the Bucks were a no-go with Deshaun Watson, that uh, there was many coaches on the team would like to have him. They wanted to do you know look into it, probe it, whatever. Um, but ownership was not having Deshaun Watson on their football team. And for, for all the reasons we've already talked about with the 21 or 22 uh, cases pending uh, in civil court and all of that. So I reported that. I said, well, you know, I love Chris Sims, but here's what the Bucks are telling me, um, you know, with respect to uh, all that he said. And then, then the pushback comes on Twitter like I said it. Like, wait a minute. You don't have to agree with the Bucks and what they said. Maybe they're lying through their teeth. I don't know. But we have to give them the right to respond to what Sims had said. And it created sort of like the best and worst of Twitter, right, where um, it's sort of a kill the messenger mentality. Like, I don't believe that. This guy never knows what he's talking about. Well, I, listen, I, I've proven in my career I don't believe everything the Bucks tell me either. Um, and I don't think that that conversation would have got very far. First and foremost, let's, let's evaluate what an offer is. Okay. Offers are usually submitted through the league. Okay. There's paperwork involved. It's not just, you know, I can call Steve, I can call you and say, Hey, what would you sell your house for? And you would say $3 million. Okay. 3 million. All right. So you're inside $3 million. You know what? I want to buy your house for a half a million. Did I just make you an offer? 
No, because to make an offer, I need to get a real estate um, contract. I have to submit it. You know, it had. I mean, we've just been talking, and really, there's only one person interested in selling your house, and it's not you, because you just give me a price of three million dollars, and but I offered you five hundred thousand. Well, what? You know, it's again, what constitute an actual offer? So, could we be playing a semantical game where somebody said? What would you like for Brady? I tell you what, we'll give you a second round. They're like, get out of here. We're not trading Brady's rights. If he plays, we want him to play for us. So I don't know how those conversations, but they, but according to the Bucks, there were never a conversation with the Miami Dolphins about Brady. Okay, that's number one. Um, and number two um, is the Deshaun Watson deal, which I kind of believe because I was told early, early on by Bruce Arians and others that when it came to Deshaun Watson, it wasn't going to happen here. And and I know, know for a fact, the coaches, I've talked to them, uh, a lot of them not knowing all of Deshaun Watson's legal issues, obviously, um, still vouched for his character, still believed that they knew the man pretty well, thought that, that the charges against him were completely out of character, and frankly were, were willing to hold their nose if, if the Bucks were to be successful enough in getting him because they think he's that extraordinary of a talent and they don't think he's a bad guy for whatever reason, whatever their personal experience is. But from an organizational standpoint, I think the owners made it clear pretty early on, and this is going back before the combine, that, yeah, uh, Deshaun Watson, no, that's not happening here. And it makes sense, right, because it's just no matter what you think of our legal system and you know innocent until proven guilty and all that stuff – this is an icky situation. Like, this is not, this is gooey. You know what I mean? Like, no, but there's no winners here. Uh, and when you consider the Glazers and what they've done for inclusion, what they've done with women in sports, the flag football scholarships, like so much that they've done uh, for the game and getting women into the game, I, I, I think they, I don't, I don't think they could really even entertain uh, Deshaun Watson being part of this football team. At least that's the vibe I picked up. So that was the other thing um, that I tried to confirm was like, okay, you know, was there interest? Yes. But whose interest? The coach's interest? Sure. Uh, maybe even the front office interest. Could have been. What about the ownership? Mm, yeah, I don't think they had that backing. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of semantics in these things, and I think you can parse them any way you want to. The bottom line is here's what, there's what you, you know, there's what you know and what you can prove, as, as they say in the movies. And what I know is the Bucks were not trading Tom Brady. If Tom Brady was going to play football, I think they called his bluff and said, you're playing here. You know, Bruce Arians at the combine. Yeah. For five first rounders. Why wouldn't you trade his rights to somebody else? If he asked you to bad business, right? Didn't mince words at all. So maybe it just came down to like, Hey Tom, we're really not giving you away here, right? Like you sign a contract. We own your rights. If you want to play, we want you to play with us and play here. And eventually that's what happened. So if that was the Bucks' strategy, yay, they won. You know, Brady realized, hey, if I'm going to play football, it's got to be in Tampa Bay. Oh, by the way, I don't want to add – if I add a, I'm not adding a year to the contract that's going to be binding, I'm just doing it for salary cap purposes because I want to be a free agent. If I'm going to play next year, I want to be able to choose where I play. And maybe it's back in Tampa, but maybe it's also Miami. Maybe maybe there's so much smoke. And I, I'm one of these guys that believes that when there's this much smoke, there's a fire burning somewhere down there in South Florida. 
I don't know where. Um, but there is something going on uh, or something that Brady thought he could get to. And for whatever reason, Brian Flores, you know, filing a lawsuit, et cetera, for whatever reason, it fell through. And that's why he's back here because he knows he can play. He knows he can win. Um, and he's going to do it for Todd Bowles now. So he'll have no excuse, right? If he, if he was at Arians' throat all the time and he didn't like the game plans or Arians didn't like the game plans with Byron Leftwich or whatever, um, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore because, you know, Bruce is not in that capacity. He's got Todd Bowles now, and apparently they see the game the same way. So they're all set up to be their best selves. Um, but it was interesting in addressing Sims' situation, just kind of the reaction to it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Speaking of football in this podcast, it, it was really kind of surprising and and very satisfying that there was a lot of reaction to the podcast we did about Raheem Morris. There was a statement made by Sean McVay that he thought it was a crime that Raheem Morris wasn't a head coach in this league. And I, I went back down misery lane. I know some of you probably haven't been here long enough to remember when Raheem Morris was the head coach for three seasons in Tampa Bay. He was only 32 years old. And, you know, they had a really bad first season, then went 10-6 and six and started 4-2 and two his third year, and then the wheels came off, lost 10 straight and was fired uh, during three uncapped years where I believe that the Glazers were more interested in, you know, having the lowest payroll in the NFL or one of the lowest payrolls in the NFL because there was no minimum salaries during that time without a CBA, and, and they had quite a bit of debt to retire on the Manchester United purchase. So we got into that, and talked some old times, you know, talked about uh, what it was like uh, in those early years with Raheem losing both coordinators in his first year, 10 days before the season started. They fired Jeff Jagosinski 10 weeks into the season. They fired Jim Bates um, and, and sort of all of that went on at that time. And so I was really encouraged that, first of all, people like the subject matter for starters and, and, you know, listen to what had transpired. I think it was news to a lot of people. And then secondly, that that's the kind of podcast maybe you guys like. Um, and we want to know what you like. Uh, you know, we, we do this daily, which is a challenge. Not many podcasts will do a five days a week talking about Tampa Bay sports um, and all sports, not just football, not just Bucks, uh, not just Rays or Lightning, but all sports. Uh, and, and do it consistently now for as many years as we have done it. And we're more than delighted with the amount of you know, following that we have built and, and, and all of that. But I, but I think Steve, there's still room for sort of like, what do you guys, and don't just say Tom Jones. Okay. Let's get this clear. (laughs) All right. I'm not talking about Tom freaking Jones. Okay. My good buddy. I saw him Sunday or Saturday, by the way, at the lightning game. Really? He was at the game? Yeah, so they uh, honored Terry Crisp, who is retiring as a uh, broadcaster for the Predators. And so they brought him to town. Yeah, they did a ceremonial puck drop, and 
Uh, Terry was all that. over, and and so it was Tom Jones, it was Roy Cummings, and Ira Kaufman were all there. It was Old Timers Day at the Lightning game. Oh my God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right there. Uh, yeah, it was very Old Timers game in some some respects. Well, listen, um, I and I'm kidding about Tom. Well, sort of. Um, I'd like to have mom as much as possible too. But he's, he's he welcome probably, anytime. It's he probably make me pay him. Point, I probably make him pay him, and then you know he had a chance to get paid, but then he, and it's a yeah. long story. Um, so <laughs> no, but we want Tom uh, and and all our usual guests. I mean, we've had lots of people you know uh, come on this podcast on a semi regular regular basis, um, and we still want to do that. If that's your deal, that's fine. Um, if it's interviews. Uh, like the one that I did with Sam Farmer talking about Tiger Woods and talking about, um, you know, the L.A. Rams and the Super Bowl and all those things. Um, that was good, too. I think we need yeah. more interviews with you typing in the background. <laughs> well, listen, I got plenty of those. My iPad is full of those because what I do is uh, peek behind the curtain is when I call these folks, you know, I'm I'm not a big believer. Like, I believe in technology, but I wouldn't bet my entire existence on it. So, like, when I get... For example, um, we called Jim Caldwell. You know, when, when Bruce retired and left the Super Bowl contending team to Todd Bowles, we got to thinking, well, who's the last time that happened? Oh, Tony Dungy did the same thing with the Indianapolis Colts. He, Peyton Manning, uh, a year after they had won a Super Bowl, they were unable to defend. He retires, and then he, the succession plan is that Jim Caldwell takes over. So I... I call Jim Caldwell, but I don't want to. I don't want to risk that one interview I'm having with Jim for for thirty minutes or so um, to technology because sometimes power goes out or the connection goes bad or maybe you forget to hit record. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Um, and so I I will take notes or type because I type better than I write. I wouldn't be able to read my handwriting, so that'd be a problem. So you hear the little tap, tap, tap. You know who got me um, at the box? Like we can talk about typing. Is and I had to. I had to tell her to go sit. <laughs> we have a joke, running joke nug about it. Is that Sarah Walsh would sit there next to me during the interviews when Tom Brady or somebody would come up, and um, during our videos you hear she's like Sarah, 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 and finally she said, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'll move down here." But she could type really well too. So yeah, we would like. So if you want more typing. And interviews with typing, that's easily arranged. Or if you just want interviews sans typing, that's a little harder, but we can do that. So basically, whatever it is that you prefer on this podcast, we really haven't left it uh, to the listeners, but it's your podcast, yeah, really. We, we used to ask all the time for feedback, and then we kind of stopped. Yeah. And so well, because you know, we, we, need thought, to again. We, we know better, though. You yeah, know well. what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I still think we know what you need. But, but we're going to ask anyway. We're going to be nice. And we're gonna because I was again I was so surprised a little bit surprised actually the I mean, feedback right. was fantastic I was, was getting great. texts from yeah. friends and and we yeah. got lots of tweets and DMs and I got emails, emails and, and yeah you know what I didn't hear from Raheem <laughs> <laughs> so you try to do a guy a solid boy did you send it to uh, him maybe he didn't maybe he didn't realize he no I didn't I didn't I actually I didn't I'll tell him I'll let him know the next time uh, or maybe I will send him a, a text message and tell him hey man you're a big hit going down misery like. The one thing about Raheem, though, like that whole episode, like, two, you know, the, the, there's always the same thing he says about that. And look, I think he should have been a head coach by now. He's not. Um, sort of by reference, like if you remember, Josh McDaniel got the job the same year Raheem did in Tampa Bay. He was hired in Denver, and now Josh McDaniel has been hired two other times 
one in Indianapolis that he was the runaway bride in after they were beginning to hire some of his assistants. He said, wait a minute, I'm going back to New England. And then again, this year, of course, now he's the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So he's had two jobs, and his record wasn't any much better than Raheem's, trust me, uh, even though, uh, you know, I mean, it helps, right, when you go back to New England and Tom Brady's your quarterback and you have all the success in the world there. So you had a, a nice soft landing, whereas Raheem has had to bounce around, you know, from Washington under uh, Shanahan, of course, and then, you know, to Atlanta where he's not only coached offense but defense as well. Um, so it's been a little harder for him. Um, but, you know, Raheem, I think, should have – he's done some interviews, he, he's, but he's not – my point is he's not bitter about any of it. He doesn't talk about it very much unless when he's asked. What he'll say consistently is, you know what? I had the best, mo- the best time of my life. I was one of 32. I was a head coach. I was 32 years old. So much of my life has changed. I'm married. I got three kids, all that. Um, so he grew up as a, as a man, as we all do. But also he's so grateful uh, to the Glazer family. They left on tremendous terms. He has never complained, and that's what I like about him is a lot of guys will go, well, you know, I got a bad break here. Um, I didn't get a shot there. This organization was terrible. And Raheem could sit there and have all kinds of grievances and say, hey, what about the one free agent we signed in three years? What about uh, the lowest payroll? What about, you know, uh, a developing quarterback that went 10-6 and six in his first full year of starting? Um, you know, he could have said all those things, and, and he doesn't. Uh, he just keeps his nose to the grindstone, and he truly believes that he's going to be a head coach again one day, and I do too. And when he is, he's going to be very prepared for it, and I think he's going to do really well so long as he gets the right opportunity. But um, this is not this was not something that Raheem asked for or really even knows that, knows that I did. Um, but we kind of got on it. So there, I got a million stories because I obviously covered this organization for so long um, – you know, and, and and somebody said, well, you know, it's coming up on 50 years. You should write a book. It's like, yeah, uh, I haven't been here all 50, but, you know, maybe there is. There are books in my futures. I don't know they're going to be about the bucks per se, but uh, it'll be after I'm done working at the Tampa Bay Times probably before I'll be able to do them. So we'll see. But anything you guys want to hear, uh, types of shows you like, just send us an email or, or a text or hit us up on Twitter. You can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love your feedback. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate the feedback on the Raheem Moore stuff. Um, it was really, really good. So hope to do more of that. We've got the draft coming up, of course, tomorrow night. That's going to be a big night. Uh, going to sit around a lot. Going to eat a lot. I figure I'll have probably two or three meals before the Bucks make a pick at 27, assuming they stay there. The worst case Well, just watch be, the Lightning game until you get to the pick. I mean, well, oh, they, they oh, play absolutely. at 7 in Columbus, so, oh, you know. yeah. That'll be absolutely. over about 9.30. You'll be, you know, what, an hour into the draft watch at the that point? Watch the post-game show. Yeah, yeah. are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, I can see John Cooper turn it off. But, yeah, I'm going to do all of that and more. And, um, you know, we're back in our old stopping grounds. We're inside the media room at the Advent Healthcare Center, which it's, is really It's nice. actually a heck of a day. You can watch the Rays at, what, I think 1 o'clock. One o'clock race. It's a day game against Seattle. You get the lightning, lightning. at and seven, the still and, and then the Bucks draft pick after that. So it's yeah. uh, the trifecta day. It's it is yeah for there Champa you go. Bay. Champa Bay. I don't know what the Rowdies are doing, but Champa Bay will be involved, and so we're going to do all that on Thursday. So we'll have a little bit more on the draft tomorrow. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Give us your feedback for Steve Burstick. I'm Extra of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.